Hi there. It is January 2021, and this is the first video for History 2311G, The History of the United States from 1865 to the Present. Welcome to the course. My name is Rob McDougall. I am the professor for this class. Uh, I'm really excited to get started on this class with you. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not excited especially about this format. Uh, I don't love remote teaching. I wish I was in a classroom with all of you. Uh, I wish I could see you and meet you and talk to you and interact with you because history is not supposed to be a lecture. It's not a video. At its best, history is a conversation. But I will do my best, and, and the TAs will do their best, and, and I hope you will do your best to make this class as interactive and communicative as possible. Um, I'm going to make a second video right after this one where I talk about how the course is going to work, about what you need to do each week, what we expect from you, how lectures and tutorials and assignments are going to work. That's, uh, that's lecture two. But in this video, I'm gonna talk about what this class is about in the broadest possible terms. Uh, what questions are we trying to answer? What does the course mean to me? And what do I hope it will do for you? Again, my name is Rob McDougall. I've been teaching US history at Western since, gosh, 2005. <laughs> I'm an old guy. Uh, in a way, I have taught this course before several times, but in another way, I really haven't. What do I mean by that? Uh, I have taught History 2301, or the second half of that class, which was U.S. History from Colonial America to the Present. So that was a full year course, and the first term started uh, usually with first contact between Europeans and Native Americans, and that was usually taught by my terrific colleague, Nancy Roden. And then I would come in in January and teach the second term. Uh, starting in either 1865 or 1867, depending on how far Professor Roden had gotten, and I'd take the story of U.S. history up to the present from there. This year, for the first time since I've been doing it, the class has been split, and 2311 is its own one-semester course. What difference does that make? On the surface, it doesn't make a lot of difference. If you look at the syllabus for this year, and I urge you to look at the syllabus if you haven't already, and to explore the OWL site, but if you look at the syllabus and compare the syllabus to the second half of 2301 last year, it wouldn't look all that different. You have the same topics, some of the same assignments, some new readings. I did change the textbook, but the history itself hasn't changed, or has it? I'll get to that. But the course does feel different, at least it feels different to me in a couple of important ways. Uh, first of all, because this right now is week one and not you know week 13 or 14, I can't make assumptions about what U.S. history you as students already know. Some of you might have a deep background in U.S. history, but some of you might know nothing about it. And either one is fine. I'm really glad you're in the course either way. Also, I feel like I just have a little bit of freedom to rethink the course, uh, having split it in this way. It's not like Professor Roden was stopping me from doing that in the past. We each had complete freedom to do what we wanted with our respective halves of the course. But when I taught this class as the second half of a full year U.S. history course, I did always try to build on the history and the themes that Professor Roden had established in the first term. This year I have kind of a blank slate. And so I and we have the opportunity to ask, 
does the arc of U.S. history look different if we begin the story, our story, in 1865 as opposed to 1776 or 1619 or 1492? One theme that we often relied on in the, in the old course was the contrast or the contest between America's ideals and American realities. Uh, the United States as a nation was supposedly founded on certain principles, right? Freedom, equality, opportunity for all. And at times, the United States of America has lived up to those ideals, and at other times, it has not. And so you can frame U.S. history, you can build a whole course around this tension between ideals and realities. And when you do, American history becomes a kind of dialogue between whatever period you're studying and those founding ideals. What did John Winthrop mean when he called America a city on a hill? What did Thomas Jefferson mean when he said, all men are created equal? What would George Washington or Alexander Hamilton think of the United States today? And this framing, this whole ideals versus reality narrative, that's really how I learned US history in school, and it's how I taught it for many years. It's a good structure for a U.S. history course, it works. But this year we are changing the starting point and I kind of think that changes the game. What does it mean to tell the history of the United States starting with Reconstruction and the aftermath of the Civil War instead of starting with like colonial times or the revolution? My first substantive lecture for this course, which you're gonna see after this one, is about Reconstruction. And as you'll see, I'm going to argue that Reconstruction was really the most radical decade in U.S. history in terms of racial progress, in terms of economic equality, but it was also a decade of political violence, instability, terrorism, white supremacy, and it ended in the terrible defeat of radical hopes. So how does U.S. history look different if you see every decade that follows not as being in dialogue with the Founding Fathers, but as being in dialogue with that decade of Reconstruction, with the radical possibilities of that decade and the violence and the racism that cut it short. That's the kind of question that I wanna grapple with, with you, this term. So the past itself doesn't change. I mean, what happened, happened. But if you change your starting point from 1776 to 1865, you change the shape of the story. And our starting point has changed, but also, of course, our end point has changed. I really hope that we will bring our narrative of U.S. history right up to the present in the next 12 weeks. We'll see. We'll see if we, if we get there. We'll get close. But wherever we get to in lecture, the point is we are doing this work together, this class, in the year 2021. And studying U.S. history in 2021 it's different than studying it in 2005 when I started at Western or 2012 or even 2020. I mean, that's always true, time marches on, but it's, it's really true this year. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but the United States of America is in kind of rough shape. Uh, more than 4,000 Americans died yesterday of COVID. That is a new record, a new terrible record but that record is being broken every day. Uh, at least 3,000 more, probably 4,000 more Americans will die today. Almost every day this year has been as bad or worse than what used to be the deadliest days in US history. 
the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001, or the San Francisco earthquake in 1906, were the worst battles of the Civil War. The pandemic, of course, is not America's creation, but the US certainly bungled its response, possibly worse than any other nation, definitely worse than anyone uh, who grew up thinking, like I did, grew up thinking that America was the unchallenged global super, superpower could possibly have imagined. And it's not just COVID. The day I was supposed to record this lecture, an angry mob, egged on, lied to by a deluded president, incapable of processing his own defeat, an angry mob stormed the US Capitol building in hopes of overturning the results of a democratic election. I mean, I happen to think that this was more of a pathetic spectacle than a scary one, but still, it was a humiliating day for the United States. It sparked a whole lot of, this is not who we are talk, or this can't happen here. And all of this, this weird time that we live in, the bitter partisan political fighting in the United States, the civil unrest, the groans of an empire collapsing, at least that's how it seems to me, the existential crisis of climate change, all these things change the shape of a US history course. Now this class that we're taking, it isn't about COVID, it isn't about the Trump presidency, it isn't about climate change or any of these contemporary issues. I do teach a class that is about those things. It's called American Nightmare, and I teach it with Professor Laurel Shire. We taught it last term, and we'll teach it again next year, if you're interested. This class is not present-focused in that way. This class moves chronologically through U.S. history from 1865, which was the end of the Civil War, to the present, or at least the early 21st century. And I mean, the storyline, the basic chronology doesn't change, whether we study it in 2021 or 2005 or 1995, which is when I was an undergraduate like you. A shattered country reconstructing itself after the Civil War and the abolition of slavery. Spreads across the continent, industrializes, it urbanizes, it builds a new kind of corporate capitalism. It fights two world wars and a global cold war that lasts at least 40 years. It becomes the global superpower, the richest, most powerful nation in human history, even as it continues to struggle with the very same questions that have deviled it since the revolution, if not the days of the first settlers and colonies. What does it mean to be an American? Who gets to be one? Are all men and women created equal, or has that always been a big lie? The history doesn't change, but the present we're living in still changes the meaning of the story. As my kids sometimes say, it hits different. The history of Reconstruction hits different when we are watching in the present day, politicians try to suppress black votes and even to overthrow the results of a democratic election with political violence. Is it really true that last Wednesday was not who America is? That political terrorism can't happen there? The history of America, the global superpower, the leader of the free world, the country that put people on the moon, that hits different when American leadership is in shambles, when America is an object of you know, concerned pity around the world instead of admiration and respect. The history of the civil rights movement hits different the year after the killing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor drove millions into the street to protest racism and police violence. Again, the past doesn't change, but the present does. 
And when the present changes, you have to adjust the questions you ask of history, because history is what the present wants to know about the past. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I actually have doubts about whether the narrative of US history, the way I was taught it, and the way I have taught it myself in the past, but whether it's adequate to this historical moment, to this crazy, all bets are off, topsy-turvy time we are all living through. At times, I find it hard to see how the history I was taught in school brings us or brought us to the present we are living in today. Because, I went, because when I learned US history, it was taught as a narrative of progress, basically, in which things got better over time. Not all the time, not every day, not that every single thing that happened in US history was good, but over the long haul, I was taught, Americans by and large get freer. The nation by and large becomes more democratic. Justice and equality are extended to more and more people. The Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. used to say, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And the same thing was true in US history, the way I and most Americans were taught it. History is long, but in the long run, it bends towards justice. But is that true? I mean, really? I don't know if it's true. Maybe it's just because I'm getting old. I'm gonna turn 50 this year. Uh, but I look at the COVID pandemic and the Trump presidency and the climate crisis and systemic racism and police violence against African-Americans and I say, is American history really a narrative of progress towards equality and freedom? It's not just about being an optimist or a pessimist, although that is part of it. It's this whole framing I was talking about of American ideals versus the reality of US history. And I've come to wonder if that is really the best way to frame this story. I mentioned Martin Luther King. On August 28, 1963, uh, Martin Luther King stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and gave the I Have a Dream speech, probably the most famous speech in US history, certainly in the 20th century. And in it, King says, we, meaning uh, the participants in the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedoms, he says, we have come to our nation's capital to cash a check. He says, when the founders of the country wrote the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were making a promise that all men were created equal, that all Americans were granted the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the genius of the I Have a Dream speech is that at a time of racial violence and lynchings and riots in the streets, King presented civil rights not as something radical or scary, but just as cashing a check, keeping a promise that the nation had already made 200 years earlier. He didn't talk about transforming America, although he was transforming America. He described it as just living up to a promise made 200 years before. It's a brilliant speech and it's part of a long tradition, a long American tradition of doing just that, of calling on the past in order to change the present, of insisting that the changes you want to see in the future are really just living up to old American ideals. The abolitionists fighting slavery did the same thing before the Civil War. Suffragists fighting for women's rights did the same thing. Populists and the labor movement fighting for workers' rights they did, the, they did this too. 
They said, we're not calling for radical change, we're just asking this nation to live up to the ideals it already believes in. Uh, Bill Clinton, president in the 1990s, summed up this, this tradition in a very short, succinct way. He said, there is nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed by what is right with America. But again, is that true? I mean, I wasn't taught that America was perfect or that it didn't have any problems. The ideals versus reality narrative doesn't pretend that America is perfect, but the ideals versus reality narrative assumes that these ideals, equality, freedom, democracy, it assumes that they are real and sincerely held. And uh, I guess it implies that when Americans fail to live up to these ideals, those are just mistakes or aberrations. Racism, inequality, uh, economic exploitation, imperialism, these are just like exceptions to the rule. Are they really though? And what if lynchings, police killings, hypercapitalism, imperialist wars in Asia and the Middle East, what if they're not exceptions and aberrations? What if they are US history operating as it has always operated, as even maybe it is intended to operate? If that's true, then this whole framing of ideals versus reality is just a sham. It's just a way to make people feel good, to preserve their illusions about American ideals. And Dr. King knew this, by the way. I mean, everyone remembers the I Have a Dream speech. Everyone loves to quote it because it you know, makes you feel good about America. And King knew this. He was a brilliant communicator. And he used the ideals versus reality frame in the I Have a Dream speech because he knew it would be effective. But at other times, in front of other audiences, he offered a much more radical critique of US history. Anyway, this divide between the kind of liberal ideals versus reality narrative that I was taught and a more critical, uh, arguably radical view of American history that I have come to, it's not a rhetorical question for me uh, that I'm just sort of talking about to animate this lecture. It is an authentic question that I struggle with. I do not know the answer. But I need an answer because my job is to talk about American history. And so what I've decided is that the only honest way for me to teach this class or any class in US history is to put this question at the center of it, to be transparent about the fact that I don't know what I think about the United States of America in 2021, and to get you to help me wrestle with this question. And that's why I really wish that I wasn't talking to you in a video. I really wish we were in a room together so this could be more of a conversation. Because I don't have all the answers. I'm wrestling with these questions, seriously wrestling with them as we speak. You know what I should do? I should split myself into two parts. I should do a kind of a thing where I take both sides. Uh, the liberal progress narrative, ideals versus reality, on the one side, and then the more pessimistic, radical critique of that narrative on the other. And then edit the video so it kind of looks like I'm talking to myself. You mean like this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't do it. It'll be super cheesy. It won't be cheesy, it'll be fun, like a, like a TikTok video. Ugh, that's not a selling point. I'm gonna do it. It'll make a really important point about how these lectures I'm recording are not supposed to be the last word on anything. They're not hermetically sealed encapsulations of knowledge. These are real questions that real people wrestle with. 
So you're going to say U.S. history is good, and I'm going to say U.S. history is bad? Well, it's not that simple. I don't just say the United States is good. I present this narrative of ideals versus realities. I talk about the ways Americans have lived up to ideas about equality and freedom and uh, the moments when they have not. Moments, huh? See, we're doing it now. I'll present the progress narrative, the story of how America has struggled and often failed to live up to its guiding ideals, but kept moving towards them. And then you say that US history is bad. Yeah, well, my position's not that simple either. It's not that the whole country is bad. It's that your framing of ideas versus reality, even that there even are these guiding ideals which somehow stay constant over centuries, that whole framing is false. And inequality, racism, exploitation of workers, these aren't aberrations in US history. They're not sad exceptions to the rule. They're the norm. They happen all the time. You really don't think that things get better over time? Sometimes things get better when people fight to make things better, when people struggle to make change. But believing that things always inevitably get better actually makes things worse. See, this is going to be great. <sighs> Can I make a prediction? Uh, historians aren't really supposed to make predictions. I predict that you, I, we, We'll do this split screen thing once and then editing the video is gonna be this big pain and we're never gonna do it again. Yeah, you're probably right. But the idea will still be there in the students' heads and ultimately it's up to them to decide. You put a lot of faith in the students. I have a lot of faith in the students. Okay, okay. So you want me to finish the lecture? Be my guest. All right. I apologize for all that. But I do agree with uh, myself that these lectures are not the last word on anything. I'm much more interested in raising good questions than in giving you answers. And, uh, you know, this remote teaching that we're doing, it makes that hard, but we will do what we can do. There are other themes and questions we're going to talk about in this course. It's not just me arguing with myself. We're going to talk about American capitalism because a history of America is a history of capitalism. We're going to talk about how big business triumphed in America, how the US became the most prosperous, productive nation in human history, but also one of the most unequal in terms of the divide between rich and poor. We'll talk about American power, how this once marginal colony shattered by civil war and strife grew into being the world's preeminent superpower. Uh, we'll talk about the rise and fall of the American century. What has a century of American leadership accomplished and what has it cost? We'll talk about race for sure. We'll talk about equality. We'll talk about women. We'll talk about American culture. We'll talk about American movies and TV and American music. These, I mean, really are America's gifts to the world. And then at a meta level, I want to talk about working with historical documents, what historians call primary sources. How do we know what we know about the past? What can different kinds of historical documents tell us or not tell us? That's what a lot of your tutorials will focus on. I've talked long enough for now. I'm going I'm to post a second video, as I said, about logistics, tutorials, assignments, and so on. And then the third video this week will get into reconstruction and the actual content of the course. For now, let me just say again, 
Welcome to the class. I'm so glad that you are here with me. Uh, I wish it wasn't through this screen, but you know, we'll make the best of it. And I really hope you have a good term. Thanks for watching.